Welcome to the Land Jam Podcast, a semi-friendly discussion between two blokes on watches, cars, and everything in between. Now, here are your hosts, Tommy and Sanjeev. Welcome to the Land Jam Podcast, episode 52, interview with the Toke Club. Uh, we have a very special guest this week. Uh, we've got Handy from the Toke Club in Japan. Welcome, Handy. Thank you. Thank you, Tommy. I appreciate it. I'm very glad to be here. So for our listeners, Hamdi, could you explain what the Toke Club is and you know what the account really is all about on Instagram? Toke Club is actually a project that started last year, around December 2021, where I decided to introduce amazing and great pieces to, to people worldwide, where I try my best to find the best condition, but also the rarest examples. Like mostly Japanese watches, obviously, I try to focus on Seiko and other brands as well. Yeah, and this has far a great uh, project, and I expected to be such hit actually. And I'm very grateful to everyone who's been supporting me. And yeah, that's been fun so far. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I stumbled upon your account entirely by accident. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, our Instagram account follows a lot of Seiko. We love Seiko. Um, even if Sans doesn't want to admit it, he he loves it too. Um, and then, you know, you were on our feed and, you know, every single one that you posted was some classic vintage Seiko that, you know, we, we love and we want, we really wanted to, you know, wanted in our own collection. So I, we, we, you know, we had to reach out to you and get you on the podcast. Um, well, thank you. Thank you very much. I'm very happy. And, you know, it's, it's very kind of you saying that, yeah, it's been fun yeah. so far. And yeah, I appreciate no, you. You've, you've got a great eye. You know exactly what we're <laughs> So <laughs> glad to have you on. Thank you. So as far as, you know, your your breadth of collection, is it solely mm-hmm. Seiko? Do you also do Citizen? Or how, what is the universe from which you kind of focus on? I mostly focus on Japanese brands. Um, obviously Seiko because, you know, it's the most popular brand among, among most of the collectors. But also I focus on niche Citizen and other brands like okay. uh, Orient uh, and the subsidiaries of Orient. There's a lot like Jupiter, Mar- um, Orient Mars. But also very hidden niche brands like Rico, they used to have also their own watches, Takano as well. Um, Yeah, it's it's mostly focused on Japanese brands. And as far as, you know, you are obviously in in a very unique situation here. Like, you know, we as collectors, we're living in North America. When Mm -hmm. we want to get a vintage Japanese watch, you know, let's say in my example, I was hunting for a John Player Special uh, 6138 or, uh, you know, 6105, the Skinny Willard. Mm Um, I, I'm, I'm not even in the home market where these things were sold. I mean, in some yeah. cases they, they had, a, they had an American release. So, you know, you would see some floating around, but it, as far as watch hunting in Japan, how, how, how is that different considering you're kind of in the home base for where these models were released, you know, in the first place? Well, you need to kind of understand the model and where it was, right. And there are various that were only sold in the JDM market, which means the Japan domestic market. Yeah, and they also made the same variant reference, but slightly different, different number, and sold internationally. Right. So there is a big difference on on brands. Uh, sorry, on on models. Whenever we try to find exact one, for example, you mentioned the junk player. There's no JDM version for it. This model was only sold internationally in the US and Europe, etc. Yeah. So these details, you need to do some research and understand that not all the models are available in Japan only. Some were only sold in Japan and some were only sold internationally. And you can find some sales difference. For example, the, the date calendar, if you see it in kanji, which means it's usually sold in Japan only. Right. Because right. it has kanji and, and English on it. If it's, for example, Roman num- numerals, which are the Thanksia, which is another topic, or Spanish or French with this so those models were actually sold only on that market i see i see, I see. yeah and and as far as you know where where do you go to find i mean your examples are so good right they're in such a great yeah. condition and they're always yeah. seminal kind of models so like you know are you yeah. going into like estate sales are you going to dealers like where, where do you go in japan for to get exposed to this kind of you know these kind of watches so in order to hunt for those, it's all about networking, actually. It's, you need yeah. to know the realm of traders and dealers and collectors. And this is where you find the gems. Because obviously, they're also collectors like, like me. So they hold their own you know, rare finds they find. Also, you hear a lot about secret um, so kind of like stores, what stores that have been closed for a long time. And then they open them because they got inherited and they want to sell everything inside. And this is where you find the gems as well. So all these information, all these kind of 
deals, you need to know people so they can tell you, hey, there's a new opportunity we can find, maybe something good. And this is wow. a uh, watchstop that's been open. Or, hey, there's a gathering of dealers in this place. Yeah, They're only yeah. Japanese, but I invite you, come here, you know? So, oh, but yeah. also online. You can find a lot of, like, uh, in, in the website, like flea market and auctions, like great stuff. That's yeah. not been documented well, but if you look at it, like, oh, this seller does not really know, the, like, how amazing this model is trying to sell. So he tried to get it and negotiate online and stuff. So that's that's fun. It's been fun so far. I mean... It's very daunting for me, right? Because like yeah. you know, I, yeah. I, I'm, I want to go to Japan. I've never been to Japan. I've been yeah. telling, telling my wife we gotta go. It's like my yeah. destination. I want to go check out, uh, and she's interested. Yeah. And obviously, if I'm going to Japan, I'm gonna go watch hunting. And yeah. you know, a part of me is like, you know, it's 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 daunting because one, I don't speak the language, and two, I don't have any yeah. of these connections, right? So like, you know, especially for something really special, it'd be tough to find. So. Long story short, I'm going to look you up if I actually make it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, so as far but as... But also something I, yeah. I did not mention is that I travel a lot in Japan. It's not only in Tokyo. You can find amazing like secret gathering in Osaka or like even Hiroshima and other parts of the country. So traveling is also very important. Actually, last week I was in Osaka as well. Like I was, There's like a gathering I went there and there I find some good stuff there. So, so, wow, yeah. okay. And and how did this begin? Like, how did you get plugged into the watch scene over there? Is it just, is it just con like conversations at stores, or like how, how did this all begin for you as far as a journey? So initially, started as me being a collector. I've been collecting watches since. Well, I, I had like I used to own watches when I was a kid, right? Yeah, that's the classic story. But when I I moved to Japan in 2015 to work, okay, and I got the opportunity to work for a Japanese company, and then I got exposed to crazy vintage stuff like King Seiko. What is that? Oh, I never thought that there is a brand called King Seiko or the chronographs. Right. The right. timers from Seiko or the Citizen and all these brands, they are so rich. And there was a lot of like actually dealers back then, they sell only focus on vintage stuff back when they were super cheap, not like now, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So from there, I started to collect and start to like pretty much see documentation and read about these brands and from the 70s and stuff. And, you know, I started collecting, collecting. And the more I went into it, I started looking for perfect, more perfect examples, new old stock right. examples, original stuff that has never been touched with all the original packages and the boxes and paper and stuff. Wow. And during and COVID, it went even that. crazier. <laughs> and, hmm? and you can find that there. I mean, for now, you can you, find it. Yeah. You can like buying vintage Seiko in, in North America, whether you're going through Watch yeah. Week or eBay, impossible. Like you'll never get a box for this. Like, <laughs> yeah, gone. absolutely. So I'm shocked yeah. to hear that 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 it's it's it happens over there. Um, that that's really yeah. Imagine yeah, yeah. Back then was super abundant, but now I feel like we're hitting the bottom somehow. Yeah. Like it's because these stocks are finite, right? You can. Yep. Not, but sometimes you hear that there's a lot of like batches coming up and stuff, and I still see them till today. But it's I would say it's getting more challenging. But they're still out there. Trust they're me. Still out there. And yeah. as far as, you know, lines or types of watches that, you know, you had an interest in, was that beginning with divers and then spreading out or were you a chronograph person? Like what, what pulled you in initially? Well, I love chronographs because I always been a great fan of the Amiga Speedmaster. And that's pretty much was the foundation for me of like how the chronograph should be. Yeah. Right. With the decimeter, but all stuff. And then again, when I discovered the speed timer series from, uh, from Seiko, this is where I got hooked. I was like, I need to collect all of these. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and I, I, that ex and also extended to Citizen brand, uh, well, Chronographs as well. Uh, they're mm -hmm. also amazing, the record masters. I really love them. And then obviously I started having more casual watches. The SKX made me go deeper into divers. And this is how I started collecting the, the Willers and the, the six to mass and all these other amazing divers and yeah. you know and obviously you like vintage like dressy watches like when you go to wedding or there's special occasion yeah you can appreciate you know the classic grand seikos and obviously the top of the line vfas and you know it's yeah. it's like a passion and a hobby as your taste grows and changes over time you start yeah. to focus on specific sub brands right yep yep i mean i listening to you is exact almost exactly my same watch journey because like my favorite watch, you know, was the Speedmaster. I I, I got mm -hmm. it, you know, a couple of years into collecting. Um, but you know, while I was getting into watches, I I was really into Seiko. Like, you know, I I loved the Pogue. I wanted a John Player Special. You know, I, I wanted the Divers. I I would just 
you know, I just started yeah. collecting in that direction. And eventually, you know, I, I spread out and got a speedy and got a tutor, got another speedy, but like Seiko always has like a warm place in my heart. Like I, I can never let it go. And, you know, as much as I love these other watches, like I find myself wearing Seiko more often than not. <laughs> can't help it, you know? So yeah. 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 It's, and you get random compliments as well, more than regular Speedmaster. Like, if, for yeah. example, if I wear Vogue, even in Japan, and I take yeah. the train and I put my wrist on the like the holder, people come to me, it's like, oh, some, even Japanese, they're like, oh, amazing Vogue, where do you get it? Really? So, wow. yeah. But if you wear like an Audemars Piguet or like a Rolex, no one cares. No it's one like cares. another yeah. AP, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I had a friend traveling in Japan and he, he was taking the train, the bullet train. And he noticed some guy, you know, across the train wearing a Royal Oak casually reading the newspaper. And for him, he oh. was, wow, this is, this is, this is awesome. But like, you know, yeah. I kind of feel the same way as, you know, someone in Japan. I'd like, if someone were a Pogue, I'd be like, wow, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, definitely. And, and the, the story of like people wearing AP and Rolexes and Pateks and public transport is very common. That's another topic. Yeah. 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 And, and as far as, where where do vintage watches or vintage Seiko sit in in you know among the populace? Like, is this like mm -hmm. something common that a lot of Japanese people wear? Like, it, it would it be surprising to see a Pogue on the subway or not really? Like, it's it's something more prevalent or more common. I, I don't I don't know how is it how does it sit over there in the market? I guess that's my question. You would be surprised. I I feel like the real Japanese vintage collectors they are usually old people like fifty years plus. Okay. But the youngsters, they're more focused on Swiss. And this is why Japan is a very good market for Swiss fossils. And even by today, yeah, people, even dealers from different places in the world, they buy from Japan a lot because, you know, oh, yeah. the quality is there. Everything's full set. But yeah. youngsters here, they really love Swiss more yeah. than Japanese brands. Although the recent or the modern Grand Seiko is getting traction here as well okay. because of the collectability, you know, and it's more like people doing it as an investment. Yeah, but I think people who are like over fifty years old are like the ones who really appreciate the vintage kind of portion of Japanese brands because they feel like it's part of their pride yeah. as a nation where you know they got exposed to the world after the war and this is how they made great uh, technological innovations and they made great watches. So for them, they kind of remember those golden days, that golden yeah. era of the Showa time. I see, I see. Yeah, and as far as why, what, why do you think? The, the the attraction to Swiss I mean why why the shift over is it just a changing generational more or is it something else going on it's just like a more openness to something different that's a good question I think it's mostly media attention like hey this is a Rolex this is like Submariner and for them it's like kind of like the baseline yeah. of success yeah so if you see like successful employees in Japan, they will not wear a Grand Seiko. Like you find some good like, you know, connoisseurs that like Grand Seiko, but most of them, they like Rolexes or Speedmasters. Yeah. So for yeah. them, that's the kind of like the synonym of, you know, success. I see. I see. Yeah. I mean, Speedmasters yeah. are big in Japan. I mean, yeah. I, I bought to begin the Speedmaster journey. I bought a Speedmaster reduced from Japan um, mm -hmm. full set. Uh, it was in fantastic condition. Um, and I noticed how many Speedmaster Reduce and regular Speedmasters were also, you know, full yeah. set on sale on eBay yeah. or other watch dealers from Japan. It was very, like, yeah. I had no idea it was such a big deal over there. Um, yeah. That's really interesting. So as far as Toke Club, the the watch dealer aspect of it, you know, do you want to mm -hmm. talk about kind of the process there? And how do you think about, uh, you know, what's available and, you know, what your process is for sourcing and kind of getting it out there? Well, yeah, sure. I mean, sourcing, I, I usually do it, uh, but lately I've been so swamped with requests that I'm not taking social security from the regulars that I have, but it's, I'm, I'm always available. Like I try to reach out to people and I always ask people to reach out to me if they need anything or any information. Uh, but I do two things, right? Like I focus on listing um, watches for sale and I usually put them through the story to give a heads up like, hey, this is coming up. And then if someone wants to reserve it, by all means, you can DM me. I'm trying to make it an easy format. And then I list it, right? If it's not sold by then. Gotcha. The sourcing part is, you know, uh, I try my best to help people find the watch that they need, but I'm so swamped because this is a one-man job. So I try to yeah. source uh, as, like, if I find any opportunities, I have a spreadsheet actually where I record all the people's, 
you know, um, this like watches or reference they're looking for. And it's like, hey, I found this. What do you think about this? And yeah. if that person wants to move forward, then I procure it for him. And, you know, I see. Get some. And and how do you kind of assess mechanical condition? Like, is are, are these watches coming to you serviced or or how, how does how does one think about that? Or is it like, hey, you know, it may need a service that's kind of onto you. That's that's in your you know, that's in your court when you get the yeah. watch. How do you think about that? Yeah. Well, it depends on the customer. Some customers want it to be serviced, but I tell them, hey, this watch, I, because I have my um, my uh, time grapher, so I do some testing and inspect the movement, and I feel like if something is off with it, then it's worth you know servicing. Same for new stock models, like they're super dry. You don't want to use them on a daily basis because they're more prone to break. Right. So I totally recommend the new nerd to, hey, if you want to buy it as a new old stock, as a collection, fine by me, but it's going to be a problem if you're going to use it. So I recommend that you service and stuff. So I usually leave the option to the customer because servicing costs money, obviously. And it's, you know, everyone has different budgets. So I try to, you know, find the best uh, approach to, to move forward or any and kind of like sale. And as far as servicing vintage Seiko, like let's say you have a mm -hmm. pump that needs a service, like sure, are there options in Japan? Are there multiple options, or, or, or I mean, like is it is it like one person you you can reach out to, or like what's that kind of universe look like? Well, I have I know a network of watchmakers in Japan. There are some who are specialists in some part of uh, some specific types of watches. For example, I know watchmakers who are great at speed timers. 6138 yeah. or 6139 or like the dynasty 70s right, right. they know their problems they're very proficient and they have new old stock parts for it in case something goes wrong right right so right. i give them depending on the model i try to service some are very good address like low beat watches like the old grand seiko or the old uh, low beat movement in general i give them right. that some are very good in high beat it depends on the actual watch but some actually are specialists in diver as well they do some you know the pressure testing and stuff and i give them the divers so i see mm -hmm. that's interesting because like in the u.s like i don't know if you know who spencer klein is but uh are you familiar mm -hmm. with spencer yeah yeah, so, yeah yeah you know he's he's a big name in seiko here he does a lot of servicing work himself um you know i have a neighbor who you know two houses down who has a you know a original pogue it's a true pogue you know it's the it's the correct model yeah, yeah. that went yeah. on small lab um and he's in need of service and Basically, he reached out to Spencer and, you know, just because there's so few people here that specialize in Seiko um, mm -hmm. and you know, do it well and are known to be, you know, kind of professionals at it, um, yeah. you know, the wait time for to get it done, you know, through Spencer was ridiculous. Like he, he was yeah. just like, I, yeah. know, giving, it, giving this up for months or, you know, years at a time. Yeah. So, you know, he he's kind of like hesitant to do that. Uh, but I'm, <laughs> what can you do? I, I you know. It's, yeah, I'm sure it's different in Japan, you know, where it's a, it's a lot more common and you can you have different resources. So it's interesting to hear, you know. Maybe well, actually, yeah. but, well, there are also another problem, right? The problem is like language barrier. There's a lot of watchmakers, great ones that don't all speak English. So it's very hard for someone from the US, you know, to ship and watch there. Yeah. So, uh, but also you need to understand that great, even here in Japan, great watchmakers, they have great queues of like waiting. For me, the average for even for me as someone who's a dealer i had to wait one month or two sometimes okay. for watch okay. to get service so okay i mean one month or two to to me is like that's nothing i mean i had well, that... uh, i had a watch that i had serviced um last year and sand was going to make fun of me for this but it was basically a non-hoyer version of the audi sport hoyer from the 80s so it was okay. Gina branded. It was not Hoyer, but it was basically the, you know, Audi sport. So mm -hmm. it needed, you know, work in the movement. Like it was functional, but basically it didn't hold a, you know, a, a charge. So it needed yeah. an overhaul and it took literally, yeah. I think close to 18 months to get that done. Wow. Uh, yeah. It was wow, Lamania 5100, Lamania 5100, very common movement. Um, you know, when I picked wow. up the watch, I'm like, this shouldn't be a problem. Like I know it's vintage, but this is a very common movement. There's parts everywhere. No, I was wrong. Like it's it's not that <laughs> it's out of yeah. it's out of production yeah. for a long time, and uh, you know my watchmaker was working on it, basically sitting and waiting for a part to come in. So yeah, uh, so yeah, one to two months. That's nothing. <laughs> that but there is also we I forgot to mention like parts here are very abundant compared to the U.S. Like yeah. it's a Japanese product, so you can still find warehouses full of like new old stock parts, wow. which is amazing. Yeah. So 
it's easier to find parts here. And I actually sometimes help a lot of dealers and watchmakers outside of Japan to find them specific parts. So it's, it's a blessing. Right. Crazy. And as far as your own personal collection, Hamdi, you know, are there any special pieces that, you know, you, you want to kind of highlight here or some, something that was very rare that you were able to source, uh, you know, when you went to Japan? Source. Well, sourcing up no, for, for yourself. For yourself. For myself. Yeah, there yeah. is only one piece. And I guess everyone who knows me know it. It's yeah. the counter chronograph Seiko. 5718-8000. That's something I've been hunting for at least seven years. And wow. I've been begging collectors to buy. Yeah. And one day, one guy calls me. He's like, hey, you want the counter chrono? I was like, I'll do anything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was like, meet me tomorrow at this place. We'll talk money later. And then I met him and I was like, just take the price. He was like, yeah. here's the price. And I got it without questions asked. Wow. It's amazing. It's like freshly serviced from a guy, a specialist in Osaka who only does the chronographs. Yeah. References. And I got it from, I've been begging him for years. And because he had to let go of it to buy something else, I he talked to me. He's like, okay, I'll send. So that's the ultimate watch I've been hunting. And I'm I, sometimes like, you know, I look at it and I'm like, how did I score this? <laughs> and what's the story behind the watch? I mean, you know, when was it released? I, I, is this an is this an, like an Olympic related watch or? Yes, it's an Olympic theme, but they also made some after the Olympics. So you know the the, the easiest way to find out the production date. So anything from 1964 yeah. during the Tokyo has the torch back, right? I see, I see, I see. So you find the crown chronograph. It's actually one of the, it's like Seiko. And there is a word timer, which is also the first watch with word timer, like complicated complication. Right, right. And they made other models as well, but those are the two iconic ones, right? Yeah. And then they got some upgrades of the crown chronograph, but the counter chronograph itself, it's based on one of the crown. But we still not don't know yet more, more like a lot about this kind of watch because people say they only made 100 of it really? but people say, and yeah wow okay. and people say it's not because i found some with case specs having the seahorse which means they were also made in 1965 okay. so and this variant was made in two colors the silver oh. layer and the black one so for me okay. it's the silver is my favorite and this is the one i have actually wow and you can check it out i have my instagram too okay it's okay. at ships 109 so you can see the, the picture of it okay wow that's awesome yeah. is there is there a second favorite is there something you're you're hunting for right now uh, uh right now uh without 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 kind of uh tipping off people and <laughs> cornering the market <laughs> yeah. um well i've been looking for a dress watch which is actually one before the Grand Seiko era. This is yeah. the lineup called the Seiko Lord Marvel. And it yeah. was technically the first watch, luxury watch made by Seiko. In fact, it was more expensive when than the Grand Seiko first when it was released. Oh wow. So and you know it was made by the same plant, same uh, same factory, the same technique, everything. And in fact they were also sharing the same parts. So this okay. is either very expensive. Yeah. So there is some variance from that model. And I've been collecting this like this particular early car dials for a long time. And there's ones that are without the SD logo I've been looking for. Yeah. So these are like I've seen only once on the internet. So I'm looking for that particular model in steel. Wow. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Wow. And and Hamdi, do you want to do you want to talk about what's for currently on sale at Tokay? Because I, I'm looking and there's there's quite a few sure. cool pieces. Yeah. Yeah. So if you go to my website, itokayclub.jp, you will see the first page you're going to see, like everything is, is still available and for sale. Yeah. So what I did is like I split the one sold on another another you know section. So if you click on sold, you see them. But everything for sale right now, it's on the front page. Yeah. So you can see there's the champion. There's the Grand Seiko Itoshiba case back. It's very cool. There's the Ripley ratio, one nice more Marvel. And there's even a new old stock Seiko Crown Chronograph. That's pretty cool too. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I got my eyes on that Speed Timer Coke. That that is an awesome example. <laughs> yeah, it's very clean. Yeah, very clean. It's like 
you know, even though I have a Pogue, I'm like, oh man, that, that looks <laughs> just different enough to justify getting one. Oh, it's beautiful. Exactly. Once you start with the, with a regular Coke, uh, like Pogue, you will have, you won't want the Pepsi and yeah. the Coke. Like you have to have the trio. You gotta get the trio. <laughs> you have to get. <laughs> oh, and this uh, speak timer 6139-8010. This is an interesting. 80, 10. The mm-hmm. black one. The the black. Uh... Oh, the PVD one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, PVD one. Do you want to talk about this one? I I I don't think I've seen this model before. Sure. So, you know, like there's two divisions. There's Daini and Sua, and they mm-hmm. were making speed speed time series. Everything from Sua was like under six one three nine and six one eight. And everything under Dainey, which was mostly 17, 17, 17, or 16, or 17, or 18, right? right? So I don't know why. They decided to make some PVD versions as well. And they're pretty rare, actually. I think it's because they were not very sold. Uh, sold like They were not very popular. I see. Uh, but they're very hard to find in amazing condition. And the, one, the two ones I have available, they are actually you know, stock. And you can see the coating is still intact on those. The problem with those is like they peel off quickly and easily. So even if you find new old stock and they're stored, because yeah. they're friction and they hit other watches, yeah, they start peeling off. Yeah. Oh man. So you enjoy it while you can. Yeah. 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 Wow. So for the six one three nine, there's two color variants for the PVD. Same yeah. for the seventeen seventeen. There are two also like color variants for those models. The seventeen but these two is I... the mm-hmm. blue gradient one, right? Or, or it's like a correct, like a sunburst. Gotcha. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. That's so cool. those have the flyback feature, which means you can reset the chronograph hand without pressing the pause first. While it's still working, you can reset it. I see. I see. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. As far as um, you know, I, I this may be a little bit of inside baseball, but like as far as sure. being being a dealer and sourcing for customers. What are people mm-hmm. asking for? Like, what's a really popular watch that they want you to get? Is it a Poke or is it a Willard? Or, you know, what are people really jonesing for right now? Um, they're, they're mostly looking for chronographs, speed timers. Um, yeah. I would say the JDM versions, they, they speed timers. And yeah. most, and also divers. This is like what I, most of the requests I get. Yeah. So divers like Willards, uh, the 6-2 Mass, uh, the third model, the 6306 as well, those are the most desirable pieces because they're still affordable, but also they're rare. So, yeah. and once you, f- and also they want them in amazing condition, which is also challenging. So that's pretty much my top, <laughs> yeah. my yeah. top requests uh, I get from, uh, from my sourcing requests. Yeah. Interesting. And as far as the speed dimers, is there a specific variant that people want? Uh, is it is it a Coke Pogue or is it a Bruce Lee or like you know is is there something that people are suddenly really into because I know a lot of people are suddenly talking about the Bruce Lee, you know, yeah. uh, you know that's something that I I you know five years ago I I never heard of that but now everyone seems <laughs> to want to get one you know so yeah uh, that's something new new to me but I don't know on your side whether you're getting specific interest in something. Um, I get requests from Bruce Lee. Surprisingly, they're quite abundant in Japan. Uh, but really? the number one most, yeah, yeah. I mean, speed timers are quite abundant. They were made for, I believe, two years. But okay. one watch everyone wants to is the speed timer poke, the JDM version, which basically is literally the same as the Coke I have on my site with that particular type of bracelet. Yeah. And it has speed timer on the dial. Those that were only made in 1969. So it's very very hard to find and finding them only even with a, like a busted dial they fetch for a lot wow. so and people want them to be immaculate it makes them like crazy and even japan even japanese collectors they they want them it, they're very hard to find wow okay interesting interesting yeah. and do you do you do you ever source any watches from the u.s like are, are there does it ever go the other way like do you find examples from here to go to japan or I guess why would you? But I, I'm trying to understand, like, if you were a Seiko collector in North America, like, mm-hmm. is there somewhere you go in North America to, that comes somewhere, you know, where you can find some of these vintage watches, or is that just not not really a thing? I I rarely do it, but I've done yeah. it quite a few times from collectors I know that they originally I, bought them from Japan, fair. so they were like trying to let go of a piece, and I know someone, a customer who wants to get one. Yeah, I was just talking to me, hey, uh, like you want to let go of it, and we just negotiate the price, and you know, 
like it because first I trust them as collectors because I know them back when I was a collector and I know like they're trusted as a, like and also reputed collectors as well. So right. yeah, but I usually try to stay away from that unless something really customer he will like do anything yeah. to get. I mean, yeah. if you're living in Japan, I mean, why? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you look here. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, true. but there are also models like international, as I mentioned, that people want. Right. So I cannot. It's impossible to find in Japan. So try to source them from abroad. Right, right, right. right. So, yeah. And I think, given you know, you are so involved with vintage Seiko, and you, you're kind of steeped in that history. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what do you think of Seiko today? Like, as far as like recent releases that you know whether it's the you know Grand Seiko, whether it's the Prospects line, are there any recent releases yeah. say the last couple of years that you, you, you kind of like or you've included in your own collection? Or how do you kind of think of modern Seiko in, in relation? Um, modern like Seiko, I think they're pretty good, but they're not as good as they used to be at some point. Like I felt like the quality, for example, like if you look at the bracelet, the quality of the bracelet is not as good as it used to be in the past. So I like to get watches which are cool. For example, the new, um, the Kamen Rider, for example, that's actually based on the original Five Sports Diver, the yeah. 5126, I believe. Yeah. So they made a reissue of that and it's, it's very beautiful. I like it. But yeah. the problem, if you want to get it, they get instantly sold out because people start to flip them, right? <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah, we yeah. try to like, yeah, I try my best to get things that I really like. Um, but yeah, I, I like the recent reissues of like old ones. For example, as I said, the Kamen Rider, other ones. Uh, Grand Seiko, I love the new releases. It's, it's, it's amazing. Uh, I really loved how they took the company to the next level and while keeping everything, you know, um, like keeping the, the pretty much why they did it back 50 years ago. Yeah. I really like how, where the, the path they're taking. But yeah, I would say foundry issues, modern Grand Seikos, that's pretty much what I look for. And I have in my collection as well. Right, right. Okay. Because I, you know, I, I think I posted this a couple of weeks ago, but, you know, there's mm -hmm. rumor that Seiko is releasing an automatic chronograph, uh, Panda, reverse Panda, basically a callback to the famous 6138 Pandas. Um, uh -huh. But they're, you know, in the, they're, they're going to charge about two to $3,000. It's basically going to be a mass produced version of the SRQ029 that came out a couple uh -huh. years ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, I don't know if you've seen those rumored screenshots, but, um, you know, it, it's interesting that they're finally like making the, the Panda chronograph, you know, available, uh, because, you know, for me, that was one of the models that got me really excited into vintage Seiko. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for that. I'm, I'm hoping this week we, we get to see it, you know? Yeah, me too. As long as I stay away from solar prospects, they keep it full in-house automatic. I'm, yes. I'm down. <laughs> yes i mean if, yeah. even if they could do it between two to three thousand dollars for an automatic yeah. in-house chronograph like that's amazing like that's amazing nobody, that's true yeah. nobody can do that no one else can yeah. do that for sake so yeah but they can do it they've been doing it so why not <laughs> yeah absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and as far as you know because of your relationship with the brand like if you could be ceo of seiko like tomorrow what would you mm -hmm. do? you know what would you release what would you change you know, what's your advice for the company, I guess? Well, I think that if you look at other brands, for example, Hoyer, like Swiss brand, right? They yeah. do some amazing reproduction of faithful iconic pieces and they kept it like because they listen to their customers, right? Right. And I feel like Seiko is lacking that. They do competitions, right? They're like, for example, you can vote for the best design, or whatever, but still it's biased, right? I feel like they're not really listening to the customers. And if they could reissue some of the iconics, for example, the Pogue, keeping the same specs, keeping the same layout of the case, the bracelet, right. et cetera, right. while right. fixing all the common flows from, for example, the 6139 movement, that would be great. I think people will buy them like hotcakes. Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah. And that's what's lacking. I feel like they try to look at the past, but when they do a reedition of something, they do it wrong. Like, yeah, for example, you've seen the speed timer series being reintroduced, but that's not the speed timer for me. It doesn't look like a speed timer at all. Right, so, right. The case is different. It's just not the same. Yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and the solar, I mean, I get why they do it. They, they're trying to be make it accessible for younger collectors to get into the brand. Sure. You know, I yeah. get that. But like, to call it a speed timer, like you you do eventually have to release a mechanical or automatic chronograph. Like, yeah. there's yeah. no way around it. You know, you, you have to do that. So I'm hoping that... Yeah. 
they do that this year and I'll have to start setting some money aside to get one. You know, that's the, that's the <laughs> project, you know, it, it never ends. Yeah. It never ends with saying it never ends. Trust me. Never ends. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping I'm, I'm waiting for the Panda. That's, that's basically the big news here. Um, so let me ask you a question. What is one of the sought after vintage collection? You look like vintage piece from Seiko. You like, you're looking to own at some point. You know, I I never got a sixty one thirty eight panda. Um, it was always on the list. I ended I ended up getting the John Player special instead, and I and I you uh-huh. know I love that watch. I wear it all the time. Um, yeah. But I I think a perfect example sixty one thirty eight panda would be would be on my list. I I also think a. Uh, what else would I want? I mean, I I would love to get an original Willard, like the full full case. You know the oh yeah big size yeah. one yeah mm-hmm. um, neighbor who has the 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 broken down pogue um, also mm-hmm. has broken down willard uh from you know the late se- you know mid 70s and mm-hmm. he's also waiting to get that serviced and you know he mm-hmm. has the original bracelet and everything it's like it's an amazing watch so mm-hmm. uh, that's those are my probably my top two which which is not original which i know everyone <laughs> everyone listening probably wants those two watches but that's kind of yeah that's on my list, yeah. But uh, once I can tell you something for sure, once you get the panda, like the international eighty twenty, you yeah. will definitely want to to have the baby panda, the Jidian version, the eight thousand. I've sold it. a lot. Like, yeah, see it? <laughs> I've seen it on on, on Tokyo Club. Yeah, I saw yeah. it. I'm like, that's a gorgeous piece. Yeah, that's uh, amazing. The, yeah. What's the mm-hmm. size difference between the panda and the baby panda? Is how is it smaller or what? So it's the baby panda, is, yeah, yeah, it's they, they look quite similar, right? But I right. feel like the baby, the, the panda, the eighty twenty have like bigger lugs, so it gives like a bigger presence. However, yeah. the baby panda is thicker because the glass is actually higher, and the way it's mounted, the bezel is also thicker, so it's kind of made, mounted higher. This is why it's giving you the illusion that like it looks huge on the wrist, but it's actually very slim, and the bracelet is amazing. It's the finishing on it. It's feels like having a royal oak literally yeah and it's a very it's, shiny yeah it's so, so yeah it's so yeah. Oh, yeah yeah but oh. also there's a black reverse version which is even more beautiful actually once you get the baby panda you would like the reverse as well because oh. it's it's yeah it's you know I, i'm i'm a psychoholic in recovery you're not helping him be you know? <laughs> <laughs> supposed to be getting out of this Sorry. you're pulling me back <laughs> in you know <laughs> As far, what about Takumi's the 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 square uh, the square eyes? Yeah. Do you, yeah. Is that a very popular? I mean, I I think a couple of years ago, my my old roommate in in college uh, has one. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, not in college, in, in from working in you know in New York, and uh, he had a Kakumi. He he still has one. Those were very popular like a couple of years ago, but I I don't see a lot of collectors like really posting them online a lot or a lot of conversation about it. Are, are they still kind of hot or are they has, has the buzz kind of died down there? They are very hard to find, and they're super popular even in Japan. And oh, they fetch yeah. for a premium, yeah. Especially, I mean, bo- they have both versions. Obviously, yeah. there's the blue and the champagne. Yeah. And the Spitano models are like they're highly collectible because they come with a unique bracelet. The case is sharp, and if you polish it, it's gonna be burned. And obviously, they want something original with the dial and stuff. So I actually sourced a lot in the past, and I can tell you, like, they're amazing and they're very sought after. The problem why people don't have it and they don't share it a lot, it's because it's hard to find in an amazing, in amazing shape. Yeah, I see, I see. And and, and there was another model that uh, I've seen online, the, the Seiko mm-hmm. calculator, the, the 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 calculator chronograph with the with the plastic uh, piece. On oh, the... yeah. yeah, yeah. Have you have you have you come across any of those or in in your travels? Those. Yeah, those are not JDM. They're only made for the international model. However, I found some great examples in Japan from collectors as well. Yeah. And they came in, and they came, if I remember correctly, in two colors, right? The black and yellow hands, and also black and red hands. I and obviously, and yeah, 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 they're very beautiful, and it's very hard also to find because that plastic rotate, like the the disc that rotates on top, they usually yeah. like they're prone to break. So exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. very hard to find. Right, right. And that'd be beautiful, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I agree. I mean, you know, you and I, obviously, as watch collectors, we're into mechanical automatic movements. Like, you know, we're, you know, it's just what it is, right? Um, Mm -hmm. 
are there any but you know Seiko obviously is is a pioneer in quartz you know they the Astron came on in 69 they yeah. basically you know launched the whole quartz revolution are there yeah. any vintage quartz pieces that you know you are interested in or that have been featured in Tokyo Club anything that, um, that kind of pops up yeah so i've been lately sold interesting and beautiful the seven under the seven eight to eight line, which are the Speedmaster, not the Omega, but Seiko made their quartz chronograph, the analog one series in Japan. Yes, called under the Speedmaster series. Right, 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 right. So right. there's these are getting very popular lately, and people love them because they're so beautiful and they're obviously only JDM, so they're they're like less uh, available compared to the international market ones, and they're unique, right? Right. Um, also, the VFAs, the quartz, they are amazing. You can find some amazing pieces like an 18 karat white gold and 80 karat gold as well. Um, those are like also sought after by by some of my customers as well. Yeah, I've on the 7828s, um, there, there's mm -hmm. a Pogue variant, right? That, that's like the that's same true. exact color. Yeah, I, I, I find mm -hmm. it really attractive. Um, if I was to get a Seiko quartz, uh, you know, vintage, that's kind of the line I would go to because I also like the. Um, the uh RAF Seiko, like the Gen One. Ah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Seven eight two eight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I see those come up every once in a while. And you know, I'm that's I almost hit the buy button on those a couple of times, <laughs> but you know, resisted. Um yeah, they're pretty good. Uh, but you know, it's also but the problem when the channel is to find watchmakers who can service them as well. I know a few and I can recommend, but you know, they're pretty hard. Not everyone can like service them. You need to know specialists for that. But other than that, amazing watches. They keep the time very well, and they're beautiful right. and timeless on the wrist. I mean, so, I mean, as as a quartz layperson, right? I I've always mm -hmm. been through the ringer with servicing mechanical watches, but I don't know much about quartz servicing. Uh, for you yeah. know, obviously these are you know 35, 40 year old watches, so they're gonna need servicing. Yeah. Like, what kind of issues do you see in like let's say a seven A two A that would require servicing? Are, are we talking about like? water damage, corrosion, battery corrosion? Like, what do you see? Number one issue, battery corrosion. They keep the battery for 40 years in the watch and then they buy it online. They're like, oh, I'm just going to replace the watch, uh, the battery, and it's going to work. Nope, it's not going to work because, you know, it's been corroded. So what you have to do, literally, if the case is good, yeah. people, what they do, usually they salvage another one, which is like a beaten one, same reference, and they just take the movement and put it there, they which is fine. It. But right. you need to find someone specialist to actually also fully overhaul the movement because the gears are in plastic. They're hard to find the spare parts. It's not like mechanical where you find like the balance ring or like specific jewels you want to buy. It's easy to find in Japan. Right. But seven A, seven A, seven A is very tough. Interesting. So yeah, that's the common issue I found. So. And do you? I mean, what about Arnie's? Do you see any Arnie's out there? You know, in the wild in Japan, any Seiko Arnie's? Yeah. Yep, That's very abundant and very, yes, original. Yeah, they, even the tuna, they are super popular in Japan and you can find them. Well, it's getting tougher to find in good shape with the original strap and stuff, but they're still out there. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think the, the, the issue with the Arnie's is the little window, you know, usually that, yeah. that part of it is long gone by the time you, you get an original Arnie. Um, that is true. That is true. That I is know. True. I, I watched uh, Spencer do an overhaul of an original Harney, and I think I remember him changing that window by himself. It was like a whole whole project. So I can't imagine the yeah. thing to do. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome. I mean, there's so many questions that's, I have. <laughs> exactly. That's the fun of it, right? You get something yeah. beaten up as like I'm gonna restore it, and it, you try it, to it, stay it. as faithful as like as original, like as original as it gets to, to keep it, you know, get back up. Yeah, and, and actually, that's an interesting question, right? Like, let's say you source, mm -hmm. you know, you you source a vintage watch. Um, yeah. There is some water damage on the dial. You know, is it a question of should I restore it to what it was, you know, coming out of the factory, or is it should I respect the history and keep the, you know, you keep it the way it is, aged but at least original? Kind of where where do you fall on that kind of spectrum? Uh, that's a tough question. I try to get as like the watch as immaculate and as beautiful as possible while yeah. being original, of course. Yeah. But it depends on the customer. There's some rare examples, vintage pieces that it's almost impossible to find. And when you find one beaten up or like damaged, you just buy it, no question asked, because right. you will never probably you'll never see it again. Right. So it depends on the rarity actually on the watch. 
Although I try to introduce amazing and immaculate examples for sale, sometimes when I find super, super rare and it has slight damage on the dial or missing a crown and I can find the crown later, then I get it and I try to restore it, right? Well, I'll keep giving the original, of course. Right, right, right. I mean, that's the yeah. whole, like, you know, are you, are you, are you kind of destroying history or destroying a masterpiece? Yeah. Or, you, know, yeah. you know, bringing it back to spec or should, should we keep yeah. it? Um, yeah, it's a philosophical question. I mean, my Pogue that I have was sourced uh, by an American dealer. I mean, it's immaculate, mm -hmm. but I mm -hmm. can't imagine this was not like retouched and basically, you know, redone. You know, yeah. I, you know, I I wouldn't represent that as an original because it's it's in too good condition. Like, it just doesn't make any mm -hmm. sense, you know, for what I paid for it. Like, I I know he did something, and that's fine with me. I. I you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm always, I'm also of the, of the, of the school of thought that I wanted to look as good as possible, and I'm okay if it's like kind of yeah. kind of recreate that feeling from like you know whatever 1969 yeah. or whatever it is. It's just you know, it's a different yeah. philosophy. Um, I, I, I don't. Yeah. There's anything wrong with it as long as you're aware of it, you know, and that exactly, yeah, 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 right. yeah, exactly. That's what I'm about to say. As long as you state it. And the listeners like, hey, this has been reloomed or retouched or you know, changed the bezel or something AM. And that person, the buyer wants it anyways, then why not? I mean, he's happy, so why not? Yeah, I'm happy. So, I, I wouldn't have it have it any other way, you know. So yeah. um, I know a lot of guys, you know, there's a specific account on Instagram, they do the Faco Fridays. I don't know if you've seen those, but <laughs> yeah, I've seen them. Fun yeah. Fun. <laughs> and you know, some of it, you know, are are kind of people who are trying to pass off something, and you know, that's definitely a Faco, but like if it's if it's someone who's like tastefully like you know retouching a watch or like bringing it back to yeah. kind of former glory and is being transparent with it like i think that's yeah. okay and i don't think that should be something that you know you should deride someone for um, yeah yeah so, i think it's a topic as is right like how yeah. watches should be represented and how it should be listed online right but you know you cannot really go at, like attack all the sellers because they maybe they know it's a fake one or like kind of like change with aftermarket parts and try to sell it as original. But there's also people who really don't know. Like they bought it like that, no right. thinking that it's original and it, they think it's original still. So right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think if it's done correctly and you're sourcing like original parts or you know, yeah. parts, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, you know, yeah. there's that, that there's that whole Omega Seamaster 300, the watch go. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but are you familiar with the story? The Watchco? No, no, no. So the Seamaster 300s from the 60s, there was a company uh -huh. in Australia called Watchco. And they okay. basically had a full service contract with Omega in the 60s and 70s. They mm -hmm. had individual, every single piece that it takes to build a Seamaster 300 sitting, sitting in a warehouse. So they were, you know, th they would have spare bezels. They'd have spare movements. They'd have spare cases, you know, whatever. So in the 90s, or I think maybe early 2000s, they started assembling these pieces and producing basically new Seamaster 300s, right? So like they weren't okay. assembled by Omega. They were assembled by this, you know, watch co company. company. Yeah. But they're okay. all authentic Omega parts. These mm -hmm. are, you know, every piece is what an Omega Seamaster 300, you know, would look like in the late 60s. So, mm. you know, they sold at that time at a discount. Because, you know, they had to represent that, you know, this is not an Omega Seamaster 300 yeah. technically. But like, yeah. but today, you know, they're, they're, they're the most immaculate Seamaster 300s you can get. And <laughs> those are original pieces. So like those, you know, original yeah. parts. So it's like, what are you complaining about? I would die for one of those watches. So yeah, it's uh, people would be like, if it doesn't have the certificate and for me, it's not original. And yeah. Because yeah. I think as a, it's yeah, some people buy it as an investment as well. They don't want to lose money, so they're like, uh, I don't know about this one. They right. try to get it, yeah, with with all the paper coming from Omega. Then, no, I but yeah, I, I totally agree. It's fully original. There's no difference. If you're gonna buy it for yourself, you're not thinking about investing or flipping it. Enjoy it by all means. Get yeah, it. by all means. You know. Yeah. Um, last question. This is kind of a random question. Uh, the sixty-one yeah. uh, thirty-eight uh, JDM military watches. Are you right. or the sixty one thirty nine JDM military? They they're like um yes they're the uh, JASTF the seventeen yes the seventeen ten this JASDF issued yep yeah could you tell me about these watches where were these issued is every example a JASDF or is it that a subset of it were given to JASDF but there are civilian versions I I, I can't you know I just kind of want to know the story there if you know anything about okay. It. 
it's very easy. If you look at the case back, and if it's like a regular Seiko, you know, horseshoe case back, that's one was sold to the public. But the JSDF ones, and also they were sold to the Marine, okay. it has the logo of the JSDF or the Marine on the case back with a military number issued on the back. And this not only limited to that military version, like variant, they're also made under the 60, like the 613970 as well. So what they did, they took two different watches, the dial of the 7020, and they put it on the case of the 6050. And if you look at it, there's like, this is wrong. Like this dial does not match the, the case, but this actually is JSDF model. And I have one in my collection as well. So yeah. if you look at the case back, and I can show you the picture later on, Sure, it yeah. has the kanji on it saying this one was issued to the JSDF team, and this is the issuing number wow. on the case back. Okay. Yep. So yeah. it's all about the case back on those. And also the cron chronograph as well. There were also custom ones were issued to the JSDF as well. Wow. Okay. The one from 69. The one I have for sale, there's a very like a specific variant with a black dial color. Right. Same case, and it's like match using another, I think the ring is different. Yeah. The bezel's different. It's not for that particular reference, but it's also signed by the JCF on the case back because wow. they're like custom made for those. Okay, yep. good. Yeah, I mean that's that's a model that I've recently been made made aware of, and like it's like fascinating because I, I yeah. love military issued watches. Um, but you know, I I I need I need to get more information and kind of get to know that land a little bit. You know, I sure I can give you more information later yeah, about yeah. that particular yeah. reference. Yeah. No, this is a problem, Hamdi. You know, you're, you're <laughs> feeding a man with a problem. It's not good. You know? <laughs> but yeah, I'll definitely be needing to reach out to you to get more information on a lot of these models. And you know, who knows? I'll probably be on your list eventually for sourcing something. Anytime, um, happy to help. It was, uh, but you know, I think this was this was an awesome chat. I I really appreciate your time to come on. I know, you know, you being in Japan, it's it's a whole, you know. It's the beginning of your day, you know, so, it, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. Um, do you want to kind of plug, you know, Toke and, you know, how people can find you uh, on the internet? Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, first, thank you, Tom. I appreciate it. It's been my first podcast so far. I'm very excited. very happy. That, it like, won't be your last. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> so how to find me? Very easy. Uh, at the Toke Club on Instagram, or you can just go the Toke Club.jp on the website and you can find everything there. You could contact me either by inquiry or by DM. Happy to, to answer you any kind of questions or anything you need. And one last thing, I have a giveaway going on. Yeah. I'm literally giving away three amazing citizen watches, which were actually worn by the Japan Railway staff. One is like kind of vintage and two are like from 2000. And they're pretty hard to find actually, they're pretty cool. So That's I'm nice. giving away these three and I started the giveaway tomorrow or yesterday and it's gonna end next Sunday, April 2nd. So if whoever's listening, if you want to have a chance, go and see the post on my Instagram and, you know, get taggy. And That's good luck. Awesome. That's awesome. Okay, I'm excited. I'm going to do that right right now, actually. I'm going to get off. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this was a pleasure. Uh, we will do this again, absolutely, very soon. <laughs> Hopefully with Sanjay. Yeah, thank you, Tom. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank okay. you for coming on. Thank you, Hamid. Take care. Thank you, everyone. Take care for listening. Cheers.